Coming up, today's guest is a Senior Director of Performance Marketing at Blinkist. You'll discover why you should eat data for breakfast, what she describes as the marketing symphony, and how to use paid content to drive more app installs. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. B7Dev.com is the app development firm dedicated to helping entrepreneurs go from app idea to success because they understand startups and don't charge you huge fees just to get your app off the ground. Learn more at B7Dev.com. Com. If you want to target the youngsters, then you have to be on Snapchat. And if you want to use Snapchat influencers to drive massive downloads for your app, then you have to check out fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business through the YouTube channel, the podcast, and well, we're starting to write a little bit more as well because what I've done really well is really surround myself with amazing people who are so knowledgeable in the app space so that we can all share knowledge together and grow our collective business. And today, I've got a phenomenal phenomenal guest for you guys. She's all the way in Berlin. Her name is Jessica Bichico. She is the Director of Performance Marketing at Blinkist, one of my favorite apps in the app store. She's been speaking everywhere. You got to just Google her name on YouTube. There's a lot of great presentations, but we're going to break down a lot of it today for you. So without further ado, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for inviting me. Okay. So for those who aren't familiar with Blinkist, I think most people should be familiar because they're, you know, consuming podcasts and they probably want to learn. But tell us a little bit about Blinkist and then we'll get into some of your little hacks when it comes to performance marketing. Of course. Yeah. Hopefully everyone knows about it, yes. but uh, in a couple of sentences. So what uh, what we do at Blinkist, we take all the best nonfiction books out there and, and we create a bite-sized version that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes through our mobile app. Um, the problem that we're trying to solve is the fact that, and I'm sure you probably have this problem as well, um, that we don't have time. So there are so many books that you want to read. There's so much content that you want to consume, but yeah, it's not possible. And with Blinkist, in 15 minutes, you can get all the main ideas um, from the best-selling books. So check it out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I think you guys have done a phenomenal job of really onboarding a user, getting people more engaged in the app, and then obviously asking for the the sale because obviously, look, this is a business. We're all here to make money. And so I think you guys, it's a phenomenal job at that. And I definitely want to talk to you a little bit more about that. But first off, Jessica, you have this great presentation. It's the seven effective, the seven habits of effective marketers. And one of the habits is eat data for breakfast, a Jessica <laughs> motto that is said all across the globe. But tell us a little bit about, about this. Yeah, of course. So I got the idea for this presentation one year ago uh, because one of the main books that we have in our library is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And so I thought like, okay, how can I apply this to my daily business? You know, how can I write down seven habits that I should pursue every day to be a better marketeer? And 
One of them was eat data for breakfast. Um, why? Well, first of all, I'm Italian and I love food. So I feel like, you know, metaphor with food always work. Um, and second thing is that I have a background in computer science, um, but I switched um, to marketing early on. Um, but I'm really hands-on when it comes to data. So I can code a little bit. I can query databases. I can build like simple script. And, and my idea, so what I think is really important for a marketeer is that you need to have access to data and you need to be able to consume the data and make um, action next steps for yourself. So I don't know about you, but the first thing that I do when I go to the office is that I open my dashboard and I just look at the numbers and I try to understand, okay, is everything okay? Uh, do I have everything that I need? Um, so yeah, that's that's where Eat Data for Breakfast came from. And people really loved it because it was all over Twitter. Um, so I was really proud of it. It's very tweetable. I, I like that. We should create a, I just made a note. I was like, we should create a little Instagram message, post for you. <laughs> And we'll design it like for you it. and we'll send it off to you as well and attribute it to you. But Jessica, like when we're starting to look at data, because I see data as like a pool of just numbers. And what should we focus on first? Hmm. I guess it really depends on your business. So uh, there, there are no KPIs that can be the same for everyone. Um, I mean, I guess to make money, you probably the revenue, right? Um, but I mean, there are so many numbers that you could look at. And I think what is really important is that you need to, fit, to find something in the middle between having too little KPIs and too many. Uh, like I've seen people working with dashboards with like 20, 30 KPI. How can you optimize a campaign based on 20 or 30 KPIs? That is impossible. So you need to be to find something um, that is really important for you um, that possibly is not, um, is just related to what you do. So other teams won't have an impact there. And I know this is really hard because most of the time, you know, everything that we do is a result of multiple teams. But just try to do that. Um, and I can give you an example. Yeah, please. When we actually optimize our campaigns, you know, we always optimize for purchase rate and in ROI. Um, and we're working a lot with the brand marketing team. Brand marketing team is actually, uh, it works like a internal creative agency for Blinkist. And so they create all the videos for us and all the creators for us. And at the beginning, we were evaluating them with ROI as well. Now, that is impossible. How can you evaluate a creative based on purchase rate? Because the funnel is so long. You see the ad, you click, you install, you download. That's not possible. And also it takes a lot of time. And so what we did, we came out with a KPI for them that is view to sign up. So how many people sign up compared to the number of people that has seen the app, uh, the ad, sorry. And this takes into consideration the quality of the creative, but also how well it conveys the message. Um, and this is the KPI that we use now together with the brand marketing team to understand if a creative is good or not. So I would recommend everyone to sit down and take the time to, you know, step back from the day-to-day -day activities and finalize a set of KPIs that you can really use and can be actionable every day. You have another example? I love that example. <laughs> Let me see. Um... Let me see if I have another example. I mean, as I say, for us, um, an example that I can give you is like the wrong example. So what happens okay. when you use a lot of KPIs? So when I started, 
I was, you know, overwhelmed by all this data that we had. Um, I think Blinkist um, is amazing because since the beginning, I have access to all the data in our warehouse. And that's what I really, really loved. So this means that I could go deeper on everything. So installs and sign up and activity rate, how many people are reading, how many books and so on. Um, and at the beginning, it was amazing, right? Because I felt like, okay, I can, you know, many assumptions. But the thing is that at some point I got lost and I could not um, distinguish between, between correlation and causation. I was making an assumption just because I was looking at too much data. So that's another example of like uh, not look at too many data, not uh, look at too many KPIs, keep it simple um, and work on these two to three KPIs that you have. I love that. I love that. The other thing I want to move on to next is I think it was one of the other presentations that I saw about yours, but you said every app has an aha moment and you got to find yours. And sometimes you might be wrong because you did mention that, hey, you know, we were, we thought this aha moment was listening to audiobooks and that would be that somebody who listened to an audiobook would actually purchase a subscription. But what did you mm -hmm. end up finding out? I mean, what we end up finding out is that it was not just um, one single action. But it was like a set of different action. Um, and also this correlation of events, they were not the same for, for the same country. They were not the same for the, depending on the source of user. So what I realized there is that, first of all, you can't treat user all in the same way. You need to create clusters and segmentation of data. And it could be by country, by source, uh, by platform, whatever you, whatever you prefer. But also you need to check back really often because these correlations and causation can change um, on yeah, yeah, the, across different months. So for example, what we do now is we check back to make sure that this set of events is really, um, is really correlated with the purchase rate as well. And also what I would recommend is to always check for the causality as well. So always do an A-B test, for example, trying to optimize the campaign for one event and for the other, and make sure that if you optimize for this aha set of events, it works for you, for you and for your business. I see. I love it. What about the... Let's move on to the content. Actually, let's do this. <laughs> We're right around the 10-minute mark, so I'm going to tease this a little bit. But making paid content work for mobile apps. So I want to learn more about that because I feel like it's a brand-new growth channel. Everybody knows a lot about Facebook and all this stuff, but this is something that you've had. You've got it to work effectively. But before I do, I want to thank my first sponsor, fanbytes.com. Look, if you're looking to for another growth channel and you want to try out Snapchat influencers, well, definitely check out my friends at Fanbytes. Bytes, and it's the geeky way of spelling bytes. It's fan bytes. What they do is they've come up with a secret ad sandwich formula that works with influencers, where influencers do a pre-roll ad. That's what a podcast is called. They would say, hey guys, this is Steve. I got to show you about a brand new app called Blinkist. You got to check it out. And then boom, that next video would be a Blinkist ad, for example. And then I'll come back. Yeah, it's a great book. I've been able to consume 20 books since just last week. And guess what? I remembered all of it. So just swipe up and you can download that. So that ad format has worked so well for them that they work with Snapchat influencers to really drive low-cost CPIs. Like, I'm talking under 50 cents. And the key part is they do it at scale. So if you want to check out Snapchat influencers and start working with them, then go check out my friends at fanbytes.com. Let them know you heard it on this podcast. So I get a little love from them as well. Just that the credit, that's all I need, but it is fanbytes.com. All right, Jessica, let's move on to this paid content stuff. Tell me a little bit about the, this campaign. 
course. So um, this is also like connected to my history, let's say, at Blinkist. Um, I joined Blinkist uh, two years and a half ago. And at that time, we were mainly spending on one single channel. So one of my goals was to expand uh, the portfolio of channels because, you know, you don't want to depend just on one thing. And the first thing that came to my mind was paid content. Why? Well, because we are a content company, so it made a lot of sense. And what do I mean when I say paid content? It means using a blog, so the post that you publish in your blog, to acquire user users through native advertising platforms, so for example, Outbrain and Tabula. You're probably familiar with this kind of advertising platform. So you go to, uh, let's say, the New York Times, you are scrolling the different articles, and then you see suggested articles. And that's where you see suggested articles by Aldrin and Tabula. You click and you actually go to a post in a blog of a product, for example. And this is what happened with the with pay content with Blinkist. Now, if you if you click in some of these ads, you will realize immediately that most of them they are optimized for um, websites, so not for a mobile digital product. Um, and for us, it's been a really long journey. To be honest, I think it took us almost eight, eight months to make this channel profitable because there are so many things to take in consideration and the funnel is so long. You know, you click on the, on the ad, you go to a piece of content where you talk about not just Blinkies and the product, but something that is useful for the user because the users right now, they're scrolling the web and they are reading something that is useful for them. So you need to entertain them. And then you need to explain what your product is and hopefully put like a CTA and make them convert. So lead them to the app store, for example, and make them download the app. Right. That is so complicated. <laughs> um, you need to have the right ads, need to have the right article, need to have the right conversion elements. Um, and in general, like it takes just a lot of time to figure it out um, how to use all these different things to, to make it work. And so I was invited in Vegas um, this year to explain how we made it work and what are the secret ingredients um, for, for paid content. So if you want, you can check out my presentation at uh, grow.co. I like that. The, so talk to me about this, like eight months, why not give up? Like why not monthly say like, this is not working? So the thing is that um, it's not like, you know, Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure that everyone out there that has a blog or like a small product, they tried Facebook. It's kind of easy to set up a campaign. It's kind of easy also to make it work at the beginning with a low spend. Um, but when it comes to paid content, there's a lot of investment that you have to make. Like think about the fact that you need a blog. So if you don't have one, you need to work on that. If you give up after one month, it means that probably you didn't try hard enough, especially if you think that this could relate to your to your product. So my suggestion is like either not either don't try, don't even start um, if you don't have the resources. But if you try, if you believe in it, then you need to be persistent and try everything that you can. I see. And what I mean, was there things that were there signals that made you say, well, this is effective and this is not effective and there's something here? Were there signals that you saw that allow you to keep going? So we, at the beginning, at the beginning, no, <laughs> it was just a disaster. Um, at the beginning, it was just gut feeling. I was like, okay, this has to work. Um, and actually we hired someone to take care of this channel even before we tested that because I didn't have a lot of experience with this channel. Um, 
after the first test, we we've seen some potential. So there were some content that were good, for example, and people were clicking and maybe the CPC was really cheap, but then people were not signing up. Or maybe it was the opposite. So not a lot of clicks, but then people that were coming to the articles, they were really converting well. Um, and, and that's where we focus on the sweet spot between these two topics in order to, yeah, you know, make it, make something that, that could work. I see the, I want to get the, I'm looking at the slide deck right now from the presentation. I'll link it up into the show notes, but was there one thing that really you noticed? I'm sure they're all incremental wins, but like, was there one change that you said, oh man, what was the big breakthrough? Was there a breakthrough moment for you? Mm -hmm. So at the beginning we have this like one in eight rules. So one test, every eight tests was actually working or showing a little bit of uplift. Yeah. Um, so every one in eight test that was working for us was like, you know, a party. Um, I would say the moment where we figure out the content that was working, because, you know, you need to, you need to talk about something that is interesting for the user. And at the beginning, as we come from the performance marketing lens, you think about conversion, you think about how to acquire user. But for me, the, my ha aha moment was actually when I thought, okay, what are these users doing? They are on a website reading an article and they see something that, you know, look like an article, but it is actually an advertorial. So I thought we need to give them content. We need to give them something that could be interesting for them. And I have an amazing person in my team that is taking care of this platform. And together with the brand marketing team, she came up with a set of content that was like perfectly on spot, interesting for the user, but also connected with the, with our product. Um, and then the second thing was for, for mobile, the, the conversion elements, because, you know, you are serving a piece of content, but you also want them to do something like download the app or sign up. And so we decided to have, um, a banner, um, that could explain in few words what Blinkist is and could lead people directly to the, um, to the store. So that was probably when everything changed for us. Now, Jessica, like, I don't know, I've never done this and you, you got me really excited about this. I'm like, oh, we're a content company. We should de definitely be doing this. The, are you able to test different headlines than the headline that you might be using in an article? Yeah, that's actually something that we are doing really often. Um, and we also do it when we want to test a new articles before producing the articles, we test the headlines so that we could see which one is more interesting for the users. Um, but even when you have your article, you can start testing different images um, is what we call teaser and it's a combination of a title and an image. Um, it's not working exactly like Facebook because, you know, on Facebook, you need to change uh, your creatives every two to three weeks, let's say. Well, I would say that here, if you have something that is winning, like a winning teaser, nothing else will never beat that. So you will have to probably create a new campaign with a new teaser. But at the beginning, at the early stage of the campaign, it's really good to just like launch multiple tests. And what we do is that if we find that, you know, one title that is different from the title of the article itself is working better, we change the blog post as well. Yeah, 
I would do that too. Have you found out anything in terms of, you know, we're both in the content game and I'll mention to you guys this, Jessica has a great podcast that I was able to be a guest of as well called Mobile Growth Nightmares. And so that's going to be linked up in the show notes, but definitely check that out. I mean, it's a lot more cursing, a lot more like getting real with this. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> the way we normally talk, Jessica. It's, but, it's, because, I, it's because I'm Italian. That's why. <laughs> I love that. I had a great time with you and Andy. But the... The thing I want to talk about was we able to, because we create content, like we, we love to come up with the right type of like words that people will click on and obviously stay engaged. Were you able to digest and say like, you know, having a number in the title tends to work really well or some like contrary thing. What have you learned from running all these headline tests? Mm, I would say, so these, um, what I've learned is that for sure numbers always help um, for sure, but also give clear so don't be too general, I would say. Um, and also don't overpromise. So I see a lot of ads like, you know, this app will, I don't know, make you the king of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay if you say that, but then in the articles, you need to specify exactly how this app is going to help you. So I, I think sensational, two sensational titles, uh, they don't really work because they get the attention, but then you're not able to keep up with what you promised. Um, and for sure numbers work something that we're trying right now is like to um tailor depending on the on the city so mentioning london berlin or whatever in the title does it work um or not um and that's more or less it and something else that i learned about the um the content itself sorry that i forgot to mention before is also that if something is not working do not give up because we had so many so many examples of content, pieces of content that were not working at the beginning, but then we started to like make some small changes, the introduction, the pictures, the title, the teaser itself. And suddenly they became our holy grails. That's how we call something that is working really well for us. Um, So that's another recommendation for everyone that wants to try this. Oh, that's interesting. I like it. And you kind of break this down. So I don't want to get into too much of the the entire presentation, but you kind of broke down the holy grail, like transform a drinking cup into a holy grail. Jessica, you should get into just like quotable tweetables. You're great at this tweetable <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but like the the intro, like how do you get people, because they're reading content, to then switch their mind and be like, oh, I should download Blinkist. Like this is what I need it for. So how do you get them to be like coming in for a piece of content, trying to learn and read to like downloading, taking action and downloading the app? I mean, that really depends on the content. Um, So you need to have something that is um, related to your product. So if I'm talking about, I don't know, how uh, good is Italian wine, for example, um, I can't try to upsell Blinkist, right? I mean, I can make a connection probably. I'm sure that we have a book about like uh, wine tasting, but it would be kind of weird. Um, So you need to make sure that your content is easily relatable to Blinkist. And we mentioned Blinkist since the beginning. Um, so since the beginning, you know that this is what this was brought to you by Blinkist. Um, but after that, what we do is we try to tease the user. So you want to know more about this topic that we were explaining and it was really interesting. Then you can check uh, you can check out Blinkist. Or sometimes we're also trying to explain a little bit better how Blinkist works. The fact, for example, that we have an amazing content team that is selecting the best titles for you and is actually like getting these key ideas from you. It's not an algorithm, it's people. Um, so these really, really help us. 
Yeah, I love it. Okay. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is another presentation that you gave called a marketing symphony. What is that? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was pretty nice. And I would invite everyone to check it out because there were cats on the on the slide. <laughs> um, so what I was talking about, I was talking about new channels in general. Um, as I said before, one of the main um, challenges for me when I joined uh, Blinkist was that we had one platform and we wanted to expand. Now, there are different ways to increase, let's say, the spend uh, of your of your marketing spend and so your revenue. Um, you can, you know, try to get the most out of the platforms that you have. But the thing is that when you start talking about big numbers, it's pretty hard to scale beyond a certain limit. So what I thought it was, maybe I need to find new platforms that have this the same scale and this will help me to scale beyond and also not to depend on one single platform. Because what happened is that if you only spend on Facebook, you depend on the seasonality on Facebook. So whenever the prices are high, for example, for the World Cup, and I think all the marketeers out there experience that, you'll see that the CPC are going high. There's nothing that you can do. Um, so it's really important to have different platforms and to build kind of a symphony, a lot of different channels that work together and help you to reach your goal so that you're not desperately in need of one single channel. Um, and that's why in this presentation uh, that you mentioned, I was talking about paid content, of course, but I was also talking about new channels. For example, uh, it could be Snapchat, it could be Twitter, it could also be even channels that we all well known, but maybe you can use them in a different way, like AdWords, for example, or Apples or Chats. So it's really, it's really, really important that while you try to scale one channel, you keep experimenting. Always keep, I would say, between 10 to 30% budget on experimenting new channels. Mm -hmm. And even when they don't work, it's really important that you test them again. It happened a lot to us. We tested something, maybe I tested it, I don't know, one year and a half ago, and then someone in my team starts and they do it and it works. So maybe maybe it was really bad. <laughs> That's one option. <laughs> or um, or maybe the platforms changed and, and now it works so much better and the targeting options are so much better. Um, so yeah, it's really important for everyone, not just focus to what you're doing and what is working, but trying to go beyond, trying to, to make something else work. This is going to help you during the, the growth of your product. How do you find different channels like what do you how do you think about it what do you besides mm. just the obvious so, first of all i talk with other marketeers um as you mentioned before good conferences and i love meeting people and exchanging um opinions mm. so a couple of slack channels and some group on facebook um i also recommend um one of them i can i can tell you more later um, sure. And what I do is that I I just ask people, okay, what are you doing? And maybe I meet with them and I have beers and dinner and wine and we talk about, uh, okay, what are you doing? And I get usually I get the ideas from other marketeers. This is one thing. Or just because maybe I start using um, a new platform. So, for example, Snapchat can be one of them. I mean, I'm not using Snapchat because I because I'm old. I don't really get it. Um, but still, <laughs> I, agree. I feel like... No, no. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I thought, okay, maybe it makes sense to be there. And that's and we tried. And to be honest, it didn't really work out. Um, but at least we, we did it. And we have a general idea of the prices, 
or what you need uh, in order to be successful in, in these platforms and so on. Um, yeah, that's it. So talk with people and use these platforms yourself. I like it. I like it. You know, there's one question that I try to ask during my retreats. It's, uh, you know, share something that's working for you today. And when I do these mastermind type of retreats, that's one question. And a lot of great answers come up for that, which I have started deploying on my own. And so I'll ask you that, Jessica, like what's one thing that's working for you today? Oh, wow. One thing that is working for me today. Hmm. That's complicated. (laughs) So I would say automation. So we, you know, we are not a big team right now. Um, we have more or less one person for, for, for channel and, uh, yeah, we're managing big budgets. So it's not so easy for one person to be able, you know, to create a brief for the, for the creative team, optimize the campaign, launch new campaigns, new targeting, have everything under control, think strategically about the next steps. And what I realize is that there are so many tasks that could be done by a machine. I mean, you, you know, Evan knows it. Um, automation is the key for the future. Um, so what we did is like on the past six months, we've started to look deeper into automation and what are the tasks that can be automated so that the channel manager has more time to think about the strategy rather than the hands-on stuff. And at the end, uh, what I'm doing as well is that since I am, as I say, like I'm kind of hands-on when it comes to data, I involve the channel manager as well. So we sit together, we're trying to come up with an algorithm that is just automating what the channel manager is doing manually. And then I try to rebuild that so that everything is automated. And then I involve the BI department as well that will help us, especially when it comes to updating the bits online, for example, on these platforms. We started with paid content and we are now, uh, we are now doing that for, for Facebook as well. So this is something that is really working for us. We will continue to do that. And I think it's also really important because then when you grow, when you hire new people, you hire people that you really need. Um, I don't want to hire people just to do like some easy task that no one else wants to do, you know? Um, so for me, that's really important and that's that's working pretty well. That's awesome. Anything else you want to cover that I miss, Jessica? Um, no, you were perfect. Awesome. I like hearing <laughs> that. <laughs> well, before we hit the big finish, I want to take my last sponsor, B, the number seven dev.com, a longtime sponsor of the show. And if you're looking to just get your app off the ground or you need somebody to help you implement some of these things. And one of the things I started recommending people is implement the iOS review prompt. Yes, you can do it. It's easy. People do it. You're going to ratings are going to shoot through the roof just by implementing that. So if you need somebody to implement this simple little thing or help you scale up your app, then go check out b7dev.com. They're affordable. They're fast and they're not going to kill you in terms of I heard some horror stories of people just fronting $17,000, tens of thousands of dollars and losing all their money. So if you're ready to just start your app idea, they're going to help you with that. If you're ready to scale up your app and just need a little bit tweaks here and there, they're going to help you with that as well. And Hyman and his team are always there willing to help you out. You can, you can chat with him on Skype anytime. He's always available. So if you're ready to get started with app development, you're looking for a firm because I get asked this question a lot. Go check out be the number seven dev.com. Jessica, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app we definitely have to check out? This is really hard question. <laughs> so I would say beyond Blinkist, um, the apps that I use every day that I really like, um, the first one is Aptive. 
A-A-P-T-I-V. Mm-hmm. It's an audio fitness training app. Um, we I get I got to know them, I think almost one year ago. And now we share some investors, but when I got to know them, it was not the case. And uh, what they do is, is great because they do what, let's say, Blinkers is doing, but with the fitness. So, for example, I'm a, I love to run and I'm currently following a plan for running a half marathon. And I have this kind of, it, it looks like a podcast, let's say. It seems like a podcast. There is a person talking on the back, a trainer, that develop a program for you and put together songs and the program as well. So, I really, really love it. Um, and another um, pl- another one that I'm using at the moment, I mean, I'm not like really good at that, but I'm using it a little bit. It's called Unfold. I don't know if you've heard about it. No. It's an app. It's an app to create Instagram stories. So um, my dream is to be an influencer on the health and fitness industry. I will never be. I'm actually pretty chubby, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Let, let me let me let me dream about it. Um, and it's really nice because you can create this like really cool stories with a special text and a special layout. So at the moment I'm using it quite a lot. But yeah, I don't know if it will be the case in a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, we'll all follow you on Instagram. So you got to plug your Instagram handle as well. <laughs> That's why I love this question. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? This is a really complicated question. Hmm. I would say the lesson is the the fact that I can do everything. Um, and I know this is kind of general, but um, I I'm Italian, and uh, you know I've worked for four years. I think I don't remember anymore. Four or five years in Italy, um, and it took me so much to get out and decide to move to Berlin because, you know, the possibilities are incredible here. It took me a lot of years to define because I was not sure, because my English was not perfect, because I didn't know I was far away from my family. And then when I did it, you know, I mean, I, it was not easy, but I did it. And when I wanted to to talk more in conferences, I I was like so scared. I felt like, oh my God, but I'm not a, I'm not a native English speaker. Am I sure that I'm going to have some, something to say? Well, I had something to say. And when I decided to go out, I it was incredible. Um, and I met so many amazing and interesting people. So the, it took me a lot of time. And still now, sometimes I don't remember that. And I need to remind myself that I can do everything that I want. Um, I just need to have a good plan and, and work on that. Oh, it's very inspirational. And if you ever want, and I think you're great on the quotable stuff, on the tweetable stuff as well. So <laughs> the app is Blinkist. The website is Blinkist.com. But if you just look for Blinkist in the app stores, go get it because it will help you just, I love listening to audiobooks too. And it's just sometimes, look, let's say, let's, let's admit it. Half the book is like just fluff and you just want to get to the core of the idea. <laughs> well, that's what Blinkist is all about. So go check it out. Jessica, if the audience wants to follow you or thank you, what's a plug that we can sort of interact with you as well? You can find me on Twitter and my handle is mini glue. This is like, this is like embarrassing, but <laughs> it's a handle that I, that I picked like 10 years ago and it's still there. So, I mean, I will keep using, so it's a mini and then glow. Um, yeah, you can find me there on LinkedIn, on Instagram as well. I mean, every social. Is it <laughs> and the also, same? Yeah, yeah sorry. Go ahead. 
Um, it's the same, yeah. It's also Mini Glue. Um, I'm also part of this um, Facebook marketing marketing groups that I was talking before. It's called Mobile Marketing Experts. So you can also find me there uh, together with a lot of other experts on the field to ask a lot of questions. And of course, uh, you need to check out Mobile Growth Nightmares um, and maybe leave a review as well. <laughs> yeah, I have um, done that for you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, if you got anything out of this, Thing. find a way to thank the guests like I'm about to now. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on doing this. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.